or welcome to the Event Mind podcast with me, your host, Ashanti Bentoju. So, if you're listening for the first time, I am the founder and director of Event Mind, and we are virtual event experts. We are London based and we work with organizations who would like to launch, develop, design, create virtual events and experiences for their communities, their networks, or for indeed customers. And every now and then I get kind of inspired to share some tips and and insights uh, with you because um, you know we work with a variety of clients and each client is so individual in terms of what they need and I get asked a lot of questions which in reality it's much easier for me to record podcast episodes like this where I can answer kind of the common questions and even really the very specific ones it just makes it a lot easier so if you're interested in all things virtual events and experiences this is the podcast for for you so what I really wanted to talk about in this particular episode is trade shows so you know, we've seen how a number of different event types have tried to transition into the virtual and digital space. And one of the, well, some of the types that have, you know, moved over quite well, conferences, for example. But trade shows and exhibitions have been a little bit more challenged, okay? And there's a number of reasons for that, and I'm going to go on to talk about those. But a lot of our clients have wanted trade show environments, okay? So a lot of the emphasis is maybe less on the the content in terms of speakers and more on exhibitors, suppliers, vendors, sponsors. And so that functionality, that offering is really important when clients come to us and they want us to design and develop a virtual experience. So one of the things as well I always like to start with is that webinars are not events, okay? So you've probably been bombarded with marketing, whether it be on LinkedIn, via email, about webinars, joining various webinars. And then what's happening I see online is that people are often saying, you know, webinars are so boring, I'm having webinar fatigue. You know, webinars are not virtual events, okay? They're not the same thing. So if you are not too keen on that format and the experience you've had either as an attendee or speaker so far, that's completely understandable because really webinars are not designed or shouldn't be used rather, you know, for hours and hours of content where the audience is just sitting there and observing and listening to speakers, etc. or watching, you know, slides or recorded videos. Secondly, it is not possible to replicate every element of an in-person event, no matter the format or type, in a virtual or digital context. Okay, the fact of the matter is we're not face-to-face. The fact of the matter is you're not shaking hands, you're not necessarily getting eye contact. Okay, you can't detect and see all of the body language um, of of someone that you're speaking to in a virtual or digital context, right? So it is inherently different and that difference needs to be embraced. And what we try to encourage our clients to do is really um, lean in and embrace what the virtual 
value proposition is and what that offers you because they are distinctly different okay there are elements we can recreate with variables and nuances but they are distinctly different so there will not be a time where in-person events are no longer happening what we will see and what we are starting to see is hybrid events so that mix of you know physical in-person contact and activity and then digital and virtual supplementary offerings so that's within that context that does present a challenge for trade show organizers job fairs uh, you know career fairs and exhibitions now i often get asked about whether there are case studies especially uk-based clients will ask about case studies for others now there are less so case studies in the uk of fully monetized virtual events um, north america tends to have a lot more case studies they've been doing online summits for for years and so you know they monetize every element if they can of a virtual event so it's absolutely possible and being done i think at the moment we're in the period of time we're in right now in the uk uh, organizations tend to be a little bit more hesitant in terms of charging um, for attendance at a virtual event particularly if they've been running events as part of their overall business mix or marketing mix that have been free to attend for attendees so that is understandable and I think that shift I'm starting to see that happening already where there are events being hosted virtually and tickets are being sold in addition to a myriads of other way myriads a myriad of other ways in which organizations are um, monetizing the virtual experience now you'll hear me talk about virtual experience quite a lot and there's a specific reason for that because what we do here at Event Mind from the very beginning is we've always talked about virtual experiences, okay? Because that's what sets you apart and that's what really um, provides the value for your attendees, your members, your network, your community, your employees, you know, whoever the end users are. The value comes in the experience that you create. You there's a there's a myriad of platforms tech software out there that you could potentially you know buy use license the reality is if you're not um, intentionally creating and designing an event experience the results will be lackluster the 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 feedback that you get from the end users will also be quite mediocre okay so that's why i drew that distinction a moment ago between the difference between a webinar and a virtual event because ultimately webinars in and themselves um you know they're not a virtual experience right so it's not a part of a whole mix of of things that happen to make you feel something to make you engage in a particular way they tend to be quite standalone really kind of basic functional you know events OK, um, that can happen anywhere in the world across many time zones, etc, etc. So those are the things to really be aware of when you first start looking at how you are going to um, either transition or create from scratch, which is what we tend to do with clients, because, as I say, taking that blank canvas approach has better results. 
The key here is about knowing your objective. Quite often we get clients approach us and they want, for example, a virtual trade show. And then what will happen is, um, you know, we'll take them through some demos, we'll show them examples and they will see a fancy piece of text somewhere online or their mind's eye, um, you know, is showing them essentially what is a replica but maybe in a 3d sense of a real virtual of a real exhibition room rather or a, a real physical trade show room now there is software and tech out there that can um you know to some degree um replicate and and you know show you 3d stands that you know you can navigate around um that have like sim like characters walking around etc however knowing your objective is key so for example for one of our clients the objective is to provide a virtual space in which you know suppliers can showcase their products and be accessed uh, be visible and be approached by buyers okay because lots of food shows have been cancelled so this is a great way for buyers to still be able to access and, and find and discover new exciting products and for suppliers to be visible as part of a larger collective and be found by those buyers. That's the main objective. And so is it necessary, therefore, to spend um, money on a virtual reality platform that recreates what a, a real exhibition or trade show room looks like but it's not offering any extra value really to your suppliers okay it's not adding any extra value to your buyers because there are other ways that they can navigate a a list or you know marketplace of suppliers so it's really important to know your objectives what is your value proposition who is this event being designed for What's, what is the reason? What do you want the results to be? And then you work back from there. And quite often when we take clients through that process and we have that conversation, uh, you tend to find that, you know, those preferences for what are also still very expensive, right? So a lot of these tech uh, solutions uh, that recreate 3D, 4D type um, trade show floors etc they are extremely expensive and right now the cost does not really justify um, the aesthetics that you may be seeking ultimately okay whereas there are more cost effective economical solutions out there that allow you with good event design to provide an experience to both suppliers and attendees or buyers whoever is accessing your virtual event while it is open the really great thing also about taking a trade show or an exhibition or conference online, but we're talking about trade shows and exhibitions, is that whereas an in-person event, you know, usually there's only a certain number of days. It's one, two, three days that that exhibition might be open for. The beautiful thing about virtual ones is that you can actually have your exhibitors hall. You can have the auditorium. It can be open much longer than that okay so you can have it open for a number of weeks you know some cases maybe even months so this is really really quite handy and it makes that value proposition of a virtual trade show exhibition so much stronger your suppliers are getting to be showcased for much longer buyers have a longer period of time to go in and look at the suppliers you can update you can change some of the information that suppliers are 
you know uploading to their virtual booths you could put on workshops talks so there's so much stretch in the the um the opportunity to use a virtual trade show as a way of connecting your community so yeah so first of all just to quickly summarize before we move on cannot replicate completely the in-person experience it's about overall event design okay overall event design and therefore what we tend to see is that this mix of hybrid this hybrid experience starts to emerge okay so for example with one of our clients what we've done is send goodie bags send swag bags sample boxes to attendees in advance of the virtual live event okay so they've received something physical in the post with goodies you know branded items activities cocktail mixes it could be a baking kit it really depends upon your community in advance so that already creates community that sense of community that hospitality feel that you'd usually be be including in the in-person event that's now being included again hybrid and then they turn up maybe to a virtual mixer party celebration uh, a live baking or cooking evening the, the possibilities are endless so that's the way you can mix both by making people feel a part of something still um, being hospitable um, as well as using digital and virtual tools that are available uh, for your event the other really some lo things that I absolutely love you can tell I'm totally obsessed with virtual events because this is what we do so love 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 it but for example you can now have a wider reach because you can actually be live and therefore time zone becomes irrelevant. So if you have clients, partners, attendees in different time zones, they can also access the platform at any time. Now, even if you have a, uh, some recorded content, it could be talks, workshops, etc. It means that they can access them at any time. They don't miss out. Um, so wider reach here in the virtual context. Um, and also, if you want to stream in multiple languages that's something that is often very much missed you know some of the best conferences do have interpreters so people are able to consume content in their preferred language that can happen in a virtual context as well which is fabulous because again if you're trying to have wider reach or you work with people in different time zones um, and who speak different languages actually you're able now to produce and provide that content in their preferred language it's very powerful okay in terms of user experience building community and all of those those things now many of our clients obviously have sponsors so now you can have more sponsors. You can have sponsors sponsoring different elements of your virtual event. It could be they can sponsor the virtual lobby. They can sponsor the homepage. They can sponsor um, a networking room. They can sponsor one of the live chats. And they can also have their own virtual booth on the platform. The possibility now for partnerships, for collaboration in and out of your industry now are huge because location isn't an issue time zone is not an issue so really lean into those opportunities of moving 
or adding into the mix a virtual trade show or or exhibition and you know I know for those of you who have products for example that you know you demo you show you play with in in real in-person exhibitions and trade shows that is something yes the tech may not have quite caught up with you know you are still able to go on live video and maybe you can show and tell your product there are technologies being developed which can show 3d versions of your product as well so the tech is coming along of course with that's often there's cost implications so it is again very true that not every element of the in-person experience for a trade show or exhibition can be moved into the virtual setting uh, but there are things that can be done to improve the experience okay depending on what, what your objectives actually are some of the more brilliant elements that i've seen across right now we're probably pretty close now you know 50 probably about 100 pieces of software i've reviewed personally in the event mind team for clients so i've looked on the inside had demos played around customized platforms to see what the the limitations are the capabilities are how well they play with other things and the tech is really coming along some of the better platforms actually allow for example if your sponsors or your suppliers vendors have their own virtual booths attendees can actually press a button and request a live chat or they can even have that live video chat experience you can create breakout rooms so for example let's say you've got your virtual booth open 10 people have virtually entered the booth but there's one person who wants to discuss you know products prices offers etc you can break away from that larger virtual room into a one-to-one -one video chat and continue the conversation you're able to collect leads the data that you can now get in these virtual settings you're able to track how many people visited a particular booth they can leave their details which then gives you the option to go back out there and connect with them and follow up those leads the way you would have done um, in real life in a real in-person event um, so there's a couple of things also I really wanted to share with you with regards to the tech platforms that are currently out there because you know there are lots of articles out there you know you would know that zoom is one of the most talked about video conferencing pieces at the moment um, you know and it is used very commonly in terms of integration into the back end of a lot of these virtual event platforms so that people can live stream upload recorded data etc etc but from my review of it we're really close you know into the triple figures now of the number of platforms that i've sat through demos asked questions played around with there's some key things that are coming out that i think are considerations um that that need to be taken into account when you're thinking about what platform to use to host launch design a virtual event and this is often information that when we get our client brief and um, we will go back our tech team will really look through what the current options are. We're always trying to keep abreast of anything new, exciting, and test them to some extent to see if they could be suitable for any of our clients. You know, we go through this bit by bit, bit by bit to see whether or not these platforms actually cut, you know, the mustard. So here we go. Here's some tips. Most platforms in themselves, right? So most, so what we have is we've got platforms that always existed that 
um, allowed you to host some type of virtual event, like a webinar, like a conference. Um, and when I say webinar, what I mean is a, a series of webinars in this context now, um, like a conference that allowed you know you to have a you know a bundle of recorded and live content and maybe a chat function um somewhere to network somewhere to find out who the other attendees are now what happened obviously pre-covid is a lot of these platforms were designed as add-ons or event technology so for example when you went to an in-person conference they'd scan your badge and then that lead would get added to a list you know and a cloud list somewhere and they would follow up with you as a potential lead um, after the event finished for example so a lot of these platforms were not actually totally optimized for completely virtual events that had all of the elements that people now seem to want so what that does mean is there is some kind of customizing that has to be done there is no all-in-one platform that right now can provide for every and all needs of every single type of event so be careful of the platforms that say that's the case because it's not um you know some events so you know that's why this podcast is really important because when we've looked specifically for platforms for trade shows and exhibitions it's been a challenge okay because obviously the emphasis tends to be on the individual booths and sponsors whereas a lot of the existing platforms out there really focus more so on conferencing and then the ones that do have booth capacity and functionality there's a limit on the number of booths that you can have in the most basic package and there's still a limit on even the highest package which then means you have to pay per additional booth okay so booths if they're really important to the type of experience you're designing both for vendors and sponsors etc um that there can be cost implications with the current a lot of the current platforms and softwares out there there also are so so where i talked a little bit before about having a virtual booth and then an attendee being able to enter your virtual booth press on a button to either email you live chat with you or have a video chat with you various platforms have different levels of that capability so some platforms only allow an attendee to press a button which means that you will receive a notification usually via email with an email address from the person that may have pressed that button okay so that's one kind of layer then you've got others that allow you to have a video chat right there and then so if someone in your office or indeed at event mind if we're managing your event for you is live which they should be during certain hours when someone presses presses that button and connects to have a live chat or a video chat someone's on the other end to talk to them immediately okay so there's varying levels of functionality when it comes to that kind of live contact okay when you've got attendees on the platform during certain hours a key thing to remember with most of these platforms most okay so what we saw is we had you know template type platforms okay so that means they've got a piece of software that is rinse and repeat that you are sold if you choose to opt into the software and then all you do is upload your own branding and content and get to grips with the platform in terms of the way it can be used and understanding what the experience is like for your attendees 
so the templates which means that usually when we get a client brief there will be some customization required even if we're using a template or indeed if we build a platform from scratch so it's just really important to be aware of that okay often when you look there are tiers of pricing on these softwares and so the most basic one you're just getting a template maybe you know 10 15 booths that come with that basic ability to have recorded content recorded videos and pictures uploaded okay you have to then invest in higher tier packages usually to be able to have live video to be able to have more booths so these are just templates now we have seen during this covid period okay and and i think we're going to see it as we move forward a glut in the market of new virtual event platforms and softwares and various offerings in this space okay so we've seen people start building these as add-ons to existing event technology that was out there or they're building them from scratch and now branding them and going on to sell them you know to companies who are trying to transition into virtual or of course introduce virtual into their mix now some things to be aware of in that regard um by and large you know the more customization the more design changes and requirements you have the higher the cost is especially for these more template softwares that are out there okay so a lot of the basic packages for you know the top maybe 20 that might come up on google especially if you're searching specifically in the uk the top 20 that might come up on google you know your minimum you're looking at is you know you're looking at about twelve thousand pounds minimum for the basic package okay and then that just gradually aggregates the more features and functions you add on so for example customer service or tech support there might be a basic level that's available to you at the basic package but the more tech support you require of course you're going to pay more so that is really something to be aware of some of the newer pieces that have come to market are actually pretty good and robust i've tested loads and loads and loads um i'm all demoed out but you know actually some of the smaller companies because they're building from scratch and because they're often looking at what is needed and building according to what real-time clients are requesting their systems actually tend to be quite intuitive the functionalities and they can move at a pace usually so if you want something changed they can change it it doesn't mean that they'll have to change their whole suite of products which for some of the bigger companies that can be a bit of an issue right if you ask them to change something fundamental about the system you generally have to just opt out of using a chunk or a part whereas some of the smaller developers can make these little changes for you and they, they move at pace they're watching the market and they're responding in real time i've seen a lot of companies now trying to add a virtual events piece of software on to their current offering i'm talking pr companies as well a lot of digital marketing companies, um, experiential events agencies, they're seeing the opportunity out there now and they're thinking, right, can we create something in-house or can we partner? So there's that's that's another thing that's really happening is companies partnering together so that they can widen and broaden their suite of services to include virtual events. It's really important to ask key questions uh, when you are engaging a, a partner, even like EventMind, okay, um, to create virtual experience and events. You know, 
ask them about well how much does this cost or how long does it take to build this element on now in order to ask those questions and get the kind of answers you you need until to assess your you know the next move you need to know your objective which is why i started at the top with that knowing your objective for the event what do you want the the end user to experience what do you want them to get out of it and what do you as a company as a team need to get out of it is it data is it analytics is it leads you know you need to know those objectives so that you can create and design an event experience that gives you a return on investment so it's really exciting times to see that, you know, some companies are swiveling, pivoting fast, adding on, and other companies are just starting from scratch. Literally, they've seen a great opportunity and they've thought, right, can we create a piece of software, a platform, what tends to be essentially a template to offer and bring to, to the market? Now, I always use this example. You remember when, you know, veganism became all of the rage? Anything that had vegan slapped on it was, you know, a money, a money maker for investors. But now we've seen four or five years later, the consumer, average consumer palette has matured. Investors are a little bit wiser. And so you can't just put, you know, every single seed and nut and sprinkle of powder onto a dish, slap vegan on it and it makes money. People now look at the taste, the feel, the texture of these foods and so this market that vegan market has now started to mature okay the same will happen in this space when it comes to virtual events once we move through a period where you know these are not like these kind of knee-jerk reactions or no other alternative options and people really organizations like yourself really start to think about how can we introduce this into the mix to save us money to reach more people to gather data that allows us to make more intuitive decisions you'll see that we'll begin to have somewhat of a rating or review system of you know virtual event tech and platforms because uh, people will really want to know which ones are most cost effective which ones are more suited to other types of events which is why um, I decided to record this because we found in the trade show and exhibition space it's not so easy to find you know tech that that gives you all of the bits and bobs that you are looking for I did touch upon it earlier, but, you know, there are various levels of customer support that come with some of these platforms. Now, of course, at the moment during COVID, they have the kind of canned response of we're experiencing high levels of contact. Um, so our replies might be a little bit later. Now, if you have a live event, that's not really that helpful. So really do dig deep, ask the questions when it comes to, you know, tech support, customer support and how that actually works in reality, especially if your IT team internally or you as a team don't have, you know, necessarily the technology and experience to, you know, manage and supervise and monitor the platform while your event is live here at event mind that obviously is something that we offer anyway to all of our clients so because we have the in-house technology we do monitor and support you throughout the window of the event okay but it's really important to ask if you are investing in 
any type of software and tech for this do inquire about the level of customer support that they're going to give you are you going to have to wait three or four days for an email which is not helpful during a live event if something's broken down if something's not working if attendees aren't able to log in etc etc so the level of customer support again i think we're going to see much more information feedback and public kind of rating and reviewing of that element of these platforms whereas at the moment everyone's just trying to rush to to market and salvage what's left of their events bear in mind as well um, that when you are reviewing various software and platforms content still needs to be uploaded and what do i mean by that so let's say for example you opt for 20 virtual booths you will still have to your team or your it team will still have to upload images videos uh, documents whatever you choose to put in that virtual booth even just the logos for your sponsors and any additional information they wish to supply you have to upload that content now there are some platforms where you can opt in to a higher tier um, or package which then means that they will assist you in uploading the content but what i have found is that uh, from talking to so many of them uh, they believe that it's so simple to upload that they usually will encourage you to do that so be aware of that especially if you're paying you know for quite a hefty package um and yet you're going to have to upload what could be you know 20 50 100 um you know bundles of content because each sponsor each virtual booth each exhibitor vendor supplier may have about five six maybe up to ten pieces of content that they'd like to be included in their virtual booth so that presents some manual work okay so be aware of that ask those questions when you're reviewing tech platforms out there make sure you get all of the details okay know what is included exactly in the package that you are investing Investing in, and if you need a bit of an extra, of course, ask and negotiate. But don't make assumptions about what's needed. Make sure you know from the outset before you invest, maybe in the license or in that particular package. Can we have it for this number of dates? What happens to the data once the event is over? How do we receive the data? When do we receive the data? Those questions are really, really crucial. So the last point I wanted to share really today on this is really about the aesthetics. Okay, so as I say, sometimes we go into a situation with expectations of what something might well look like. And we expect it to look like what we see when we walk into a real room for an exhibition or a trade show. And if you want to try and recreate that to the best of your ability in the virtual context, it costs money, like I said earlier. Um, but also um sometimes it's still quite clunky so a lot of the ones that i've tested you know even if you can use your finger on your smart device or um your cursor on a desktop or laptop it's still quite clunky to navigate around the room so that's the first thing okay ergonomically especially if you have users who may have some difficulties or challenges whether they be invisible or visible that can be a little bit of a challenge secondly um the cost yeah okay so you can't always justify that cost especially if it's your first round of using virtual events and paying you know a thousand pounds per stand okay so that's per virtual reality stand it's quite a lot okay so it is really um important to keep 
going back to what your objectives are, what the overall gains are that you want to have and thinking about whether or not it's worth the money. At the moment, we, we always show our clients all of the options within their budget and, and, and what's happening, what's the latest happening in the industry. Uh, but, you know, we've been having some very real conversations about that because we want you to have the best experience possible. And therefore, we really aren't going to try and sell you something that you don't need. OK, so really worth thinking about that. Now, sometimes aesthetics might well be important. Maybe you've got 3,000, 5,000 attendees who will be attending your virtual event. Maybe it's a global event and you really want it to stand out. So maybe the aesthetics might be worth you paying the extra for, which is absolutely fine. Um, but it's just really important to have that cost element and, you know, the benefit element in mind when you choose to invest at that level and and just a quick note on that as well is that what we are finding is there's a lot of kind of organizations who may not be using digital or virtual tools that much anyway in-house so remember who your demographic are okay because if you're using a virtual job fair career fair or some type of employee engagement um tool Okay, and, and you're trying to bring that particular community together and they aren't very tech savvy anyway. Going the full hog to pay, you know, what sometimes can cost you, you know, over a hundred thousand pounds, um, you know, anywhere between fifty and a hundred thousand pounds for these these kind of you know really high tech aesthetic um virtual platforms. And your users don't necessarily even appreciate it because they're still trying to get to grips with how they log in. They just about understand how to navigate the room and the various sections on the virtual. So sometimes the overall effect could be lost. So remembering who your end users are, your community, your network, your audience are, are really important because then that helps you again as an organization, as a team, make a decision about what platforms are the most suited or suitable for what you're trying to achieve. So I know that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour um, all about virtual events, but specifically virtual trade shows and exhibitions right now and how well they are kind of converting, transitioning into the virtual space. If you do have any questions, please feel free to drop us an email, okay? We, we're happy to answer any questions you may have or give us a call. Um, if you would like to discuss further how you can transition or create and design a virtual event for your organization. So thank you for joining me on this particular episode. Until next time, take care.